Good morning, Proximity. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Liddy, married to Danny. I live in Ibiza. We're part of the 24-7 Ibiza community here. Uh, we have two children, Asha, our daughter, who's 11, and Nate, who is five. Um, we've been here for about nine years. Um, we initially came out to pray for a group of Roma gypsies who live in a little place called Sapeña, about three-minute walk from where I'm sitting. Um, but since then, as God does, he's grown things and changed things, and um, that's very much part of why we're still here. But um, but now our day-to-day is taken up a lot with our friends who live on the streets and um, sort of loving them in, in any ways we can, really. Um, yeah, so that's us. Uh, and Charles asked me to talk a little bit about hospitality as you guys are looking at 24-7 prayers um, values. Um, and this one I have discovered that maybe the reason I was asked, not that Charles knew this, <laughs> uh, is because I have quite a lot of learning to do in this area. Isn't that always the way? Um, so I'm just going to start by praying and then we'll, then we'll launch in. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for each person um, listening. Thank you for what you have um, challenged and shared with me. And um, Spirit, would you come and would you speak to each one of us? Would you keep in hearts and minds what is of you and let fall away what isn't? But um, yeah, thank you for this time and would you be with us? Amen. First of all, I'm definitely not an expert in this area or any of us um and secondly i can be a bit of a waffler so you may have to bear with me that's my that's my um those are my uh, get out clauses um i don't know what you think of when you think of hospitality but when i think of hospitality it takes me back to um growing up it takes me back to my parents cooking elaborate meals, putting on fantastic spreads for people, um, getting out the posh china, um, which we were, my sister and I were barely allowed to touch. It was so like eggshell. Um, Mom and dad getting out the silver, you know, which had that smell that they'd been given for their wedding. Um, you know, lots of cooking, best, best menus put on. The house, the panic before people arrive of having to have the house just right and um, really the anxiety in many ways. You know, as wonderful as it was, there was a lot of anxiety around hospitality because it had to be your best and your most your best performance, you know. Um, and I think just having had beans on toast and being relaxed and present would not have would not have been an option. Far better to put on your absolute best, but not be present, <laughs> which now just seems so, such a crazy notion to me. And I'm sure it would to my parents as well. If I spoke to them, I think they would also agree that um, less is more and it's much more about time spent with people and space created and ambience atmosphere created than, uh, than performance. Um, and the word in Greek Philozenia means literally lover of the stranger, which I suppose makes sense of the word xenophobia, which would be to be hatred of hatred of strangers. Um, 
And that kind of got me thinking that that is essentially hospitality, isn't it? In the gospel is the lover of the stranger. And if, as we always should, we go right back to Jesus, right back to realigning ourselves with him. Yeah, that is that is what he did for us, wasn't it? He loved us when we were still strangers. He brought us in out of the cold. He showed us ultimate hospitality. The Father sending down his son to save us, to rescue us, to welcome us into family. Um, and isn't that our, that's our model, isn't it? Um, yeah, Romans... Five verse 8 says but God has shown us how much he loves us it was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us you know, before we became acceptable he did it all for us um, and I've been looking through the gospels I've also been watching I don't know if any of you have watched or, or been watching it but The Chosen it's that beautiful dramatisation of, um, of Jesus' life and um, thinking about the way that Jesus welcomes people and thinking about what are my preconceived ideas around hospitality. Definitely one of mine, till worryingly recently, not long before we moved here, <laughs> was that hospitality was very much centred around the home, around the table, which isn't wrong. Um, but obviously that's not exclusive. And you needed a home to be hospitable. You probably need pretty decent cooking skills or baking skills, which is bad news for me because I'm not a baker. Um, you needed to have the right elements in order to be hospitable. And then one day this guy pointed out to me that although Jesus sometimes hosts in the Gospels, you think about the Passover meal, think about, him feeding the 5,000. Um, it's not out of his own home. It's not like he's got a, a lovely, comfortable home that he's inviting everybody into his controlled space. Um, actually, a lot of Jesus' hospitality is about receiving other people's hospitality, and that rocked my world. <laughs> um, it absolutely rocked my world to think that, um, I mean, I feel like I'm letting on way too much about myself here. But basically, to think that hospitality was not all about me. <laughs> what a selfish thought. But I think it had, growing up, so been about what I'm providing, what we're providing, the experience, the best food, the best china. It was actually quite a self-centred thing, really. And yet you look at Jesus and so much of his hospitality is about receiving other people's hospitality. And then what kind of people were those people? Um, you know, we look in the Gospels, the disciples, those that Jesus gathered around him, were just the worst of the worst, weren't they? They were those that were either uneducated, unacceptable because of the way they lived their life. Think about Mary Magdalene literally against their own people like Matthew as a tax collector you know, using basically taking a job for the enemy state for the Romans to keep down his own people um, yeah just such a, a ragtag group of people that did not fit at all and you think about the kind of people where Jesus went to eat 
you know, Zacchaeus, somebody that was hated in the community, and there's Jesus paying him the highest honour of going and saying, today I'm going to eat in your house. Um, and so often I read the Gospels and all of this really passes me by. You know, there are stories that I read when I was little or I don't really understand the context of how shocking and scandalous those people were that Jesus chose to hang out with. You know, I'm trying to think, what would it be like in, in this day and age? And I, um, I read a little book of a great, a little bit of a great book by this guy called Tim Chester. It's called A Meal with Jesus. Highly, I haven't finished it, but I highly recommend it. Um, and he was talking about, you know, if, um, like if Mary Magdalene, she came in to our setting now, how might she be dressed? Might she be provocative and inappropriate and loud and embarrassing really to us? And there she is and she comes into our nice dinner party and she throws herself around Jesus and, um, and kind of cuddles him to her chest, says, I love you. And he doesn't push her away and, sort of try and be more appropriate he wraps his arms around her and says and I love you he's not embarrassed by how scandalous she is and how much she doesn't fit in he embraces her and that for me just kind of helped me to think a little bit more about oh wow you know I, I, I think that I understand how scandalous Jesus was but I really I really don't and I, that's something I would personally love him to reveal to me more is those sort of contextual things. And that sort of brings me into this idea of um, who's scandalous in, in my context? Who is it that is sort of, that I find a bit embarrassing or too inappropriate or repeated behaviours just means I kind of write them off. Um, and I, I feel like I'm okay to write them off subconsciously. In Jesus' day, the culture, I think this is something that I have not quite understood as well around hospitality in, in Jesus' day and age, is that the meal table was a massively intimate place and hugely exclusive to those that didn't fit. Um, you know, all sorts of ritual that you had to go through in order to just get to that table, let alone a social status or what have you, or, a, you know, fitting into a family, family setup. But there were so many, so many barriers to being able to eat with people, really, that weren't like you, that it became hugely, hugely intimate. So for Jesus to just throw those out the window and say to somebody like Zacchaeus, I'm going to come and eat in your house today, was hugely, hugely shocking. Um, and it kind of got me thinking in my life, where are my dirt barriers? I don't know if you have heard have sort of thought about this concept but where is it where you can cope with dirt up to a certain point but beyond that point it's just too much um yeah where is your where is your barrier because for jesus there isn't one um there is no dirt barrier and uh somebody had talked about dirt barriers they'd given an explanation as being like a, a, a can of Coke in a store that's covered in mud you'd think was very dirty. But you put that same can of Coke 
in a field and it's the coke can making the mud dirty, not the other way around. And uh, the can is just in the wrong place. And there's something to think on in that, isn't there? Where are our dirt boundaries? Where is it that we feel somebody or something is in the wrong place and, and the dirtiness is, is too much? Because Jesus didn't think like that, did he? You know, he touched people that had got hideous diseases and should have made him dirty in so many ways, ritually, spiritually, um, medically. And yet Jesus went straight through those barriers. And not only did their dirtiness not rub on, on him, but he, his holiness rubbed off on them. And uh, he made people clean and he made people acceptable. And, um, and that has to be true hospitality, doesn't it? Making space, creating space for um, transformation, for healing, for God to do what he will do, for making a way into God's presence. That is surely what hospitality is all about. And I read this book called Ordinary Miracles, by a guy called Chris Lane. I recommend this one too. Mess, Meals and Meeting Jesus in Unexpected Places. And he just put this so succinctly to me about um, hospitality and healing. In the Gospels, it appears that healing and hospitality are like two sides of the same coin. When Jesus sends out the 72 in Luke 10, Jesus commands them to take nothing with them, but rely on the hospitality of those they are sent to reach. As the people in the village receive them and feed them, the disciples are instructed to heal all the sick people. Hospitality and healing belong together. I don't know if I would have put that so close, but you think about it and it's true, isn't it? Levi and Zacchaeus are both transformed when they receive Jesus into their homes for food. And this link between hospitality and healing can also be found in the Old Testament. For example, in the story of Elisha and the rich woman in 2 Kings 4, or Abraham's welcome to the three strangers in Genesis 18. Hospitality and healing, meals and miracles. As we have eaten together over the years as a church, we have seen this connection, both in dramatic sudden moments when people experience God in a life-changing way, and in slow, steady changes, as people gradually discover that they are welcomed and loved for who they are and slowly open up like a flower on a sunny day. Both are beautiful to see and both are given by God. Oh man, I love that. I love, love, love that, that God welcomes us through his hospitality. He welcomes us to his table. He nourishes us. He feeds us. And we have that joy of extending that to other people. We get the joy of feeding um, in all myriad ways that that can be, can be meant and nourishing people as, as, as Jesus is nourishing us and nourishing them. Um, and that's when healing can take place in those spaces. Jesus goes further than just welcoming, but he transforms like he's done for us. And we get that honour being part of that journey for other people too. And um, you know, I, I suppose I had always thought as well, oh, just that's so lovely, so lovely. And then going back to what we've just been thinking about of, of the kind of people that Jesus hung out with, 
and how absolutely scandalous and inappropriate they were. And who might those people be in our day and age today? Who is it that's scandalous and inappropriate for us to extend the hand to, to extend, to open our doors to? And then um, Charles had said in a message to me, you know, oh, do you have any examples of hospitality in your life or your work? And um, I've kind of been thinking about it and thinking, you know, often people here think Lydia and Danny Hampson, they're a bit weird. You know, they hang out with the Roma gypsies that nobody likes and nobody can understand why they do that. Or they are friends with heroin addicts and, you know, why would they be like that? Or, you know, see them sitting on a bench with somebody that smells. Maybe they smell because they've hugged someone. But nothing that's really scandalous, just confusing really to people. People are a bit, yeah, confused by it, confused by us. But a year ago was my first experience of hospitality actually really costing us something personally. We, um, Danny and Stephen, Stephen's part of the 24-7 core here as well. He and Danny go in weekly to the local prison and they had met a guy in there who, um, we'll call him Michael, had had this just this horrific experience where a fight between him and another lad had ended up with the other lad dying. And um, it happened on the island. Both people known, well, actually the other lad known more. And he was obviously put in prison. And then a year ago we had, and during this year, by the by, he became a Christian. Came to know Jesus and, and accept Jesus' hospitality. And then last year we had a phone call to say, he's been released on bail. Can he come and spend the night before he gets his flight home tomorrow? She said, yes, yes, of course, wonderful. Um, and then during that night, we discovered that the conditions were that he was released on bail, but he was not allowed to leave the island to be with them. And uh, it slowly became apparent that he also wouldn't really be allowed to work legally, wouldn't have any access to money, I think. He would be essentially homeless. Um, and none of the authorities seemed to care about that. The only thing was that he remained on the island. And then um, through time talking and with him and praying, felt like we should say, stay with us, live with us, which he did. And uh, in many ways, our house isn't ideal. It's three beds, which is wonderful. It means that we can, you know, the kids can both have their own room. We can have our own room. Um, so... Michael had our bedroom and we had Nate's bedroom and Nate and Asha shared um, my daughter's bedroom. And uh, it was a squash, it was a challenge, um, but it was so joyous. But what shocked me was other people's reactions to us having him live with us. I mean, people saying things like, how can you have a murderer live with you? How can you have a monster be near your children? How can you have somebody like that in your home? And um, we, com we completely came under fire for having welcomed him into our home. We lost our reputation. People were angry with us for inviting him in. People were so full of emo emotion and rage. So much nasty chat about us going round. So much nasty chat about him. 
And um, it really shocked me. I found it really, really difficult because opening up my home had never cost me in that way before. It might have cost me time, money, energy, but it had never actually cost me my reputation and my good standing. And um, so often we say, oh, you know, give up your reputation or be willing to lose your reputation for Jesus. But do we really mean it? Do we really know how much Jesus lost his reputation, how much it could cost us if we extend the welcome to those that really are unacceptable in our society, who really think and pray and ask for God to reveal to each one of us who those people are. Um, and it was so blooming hard. <laughs> But it was also the privilege of a lifetime to have him living with us, to share those days, to share life, the nitty gritty, the good, the bad and the ugly, not just being able to put on my best performance of cooking my best dinners or being in my best mood, but to genuinely walk those months with him, to walk that journey of horror with him, to have him become someone very special to our children and to us, essentially to because he's become family. That's cost us a lot, but oh my goodness, has it been a huge blessing as well. Um, and I think it just, you realise, don't you, that, I'm sorry, I'm taking you on my ramblings with me. <laughs> you realise that it's really hospitality that got Jesus killed. It's him making acceptable those who were unacceptable by society. It's him forgiving the sins of those who were unforgivable, accepting those who were beyond acceptance. And that's what got him hated and that's what got him killed. And yet so often I see hospitality as cooking meals for my friends. You know, we, we host the team on a Thursday night. I think, oh, we're very hospitable. We have the team over on the Thursday. And it's not that that's bad or it's not good, but it's certainly not costly. Um, and it's wonderful. But Jesus' hospitality goes so much deeper. It's so much messier isn't it so much more raw than having your friends over it's welcoming in the stranger it's clothing those who are naked it's visiting those in prison it's feeding the hungry doing all this for the stranger because the stranger is actually Jesus and um yeah as I've been thinking about this topic since Charles you know, talk to me about it. I just thought, wow, there's so much more. We can be so self-congratulatory, can't we? We open up our home, we provide lovely meals, but what might it look like if we were hospitable to the same degree that Jesus was and is hospitable? And the other thing that um, has really struck me about hospitality is that, as we've, as I've said, so often... Jesus was actually accepting other people's hospitality. And that for me can be a real challenge. I, as a character, 
like to have control of situations. I like to be in control of the hosting or the cooking or what's going on. And something that he's really been showing us on our journey, particularly in Ibiza, has been about the importance of accepting other people's hospitality. Um, And often people that I would have deemed in days gone by didn't have anything to be hospitable with. So an example would be on Christmas Day when we, we do a Christmas meal each year and we do a traditional British Christmas meal with some friends and package it all into takeout boxes and then we go up to a local outdoor space and our friends, us, our homeless friends, we all have the day together, we eat together, play football, you know, what have you. But the dynamic is quite uh, quite one of us providing and and in a horrible way, us us being the hospitable ones and then receiving. And one year, one of the guys who really struggled with alcoholism and had lots of challenges and um, lots of mental health things, he had saved up over the latter part of the year his charity shop coupons, which are for him to be able to get fresh clothing. And he had saved them up and spent them in the shop on Asher and Nate and bought them both a Christmas present with his with his um, coupons. And he'd asked the social worker to wrap them for him and to store them, and he presented them on Christmas Day. And, you know, well, the, the, the last couple of months running up to Christmas, he'd said to us, I've got something for your children. And different people had said, you know, Darren's bought something for the kids. You know, it was such a big thing. And it was such a big thing to receive his hospitality when you think, oh, you should have spent those coupons on clothes. You should have, you should have, you should have, you should have. Um, and actually, it was his gift of hospitality to us, to the children, to give them something. And what a gift it was to receive as well. Hugely humbling. Just such a beautiful moment of somebody giving all that they had got. Um, and that just being so much. And that has been a big lesson for me, is learning to accept other people's hospitality. Um, and asking the spirit to teach me and to highlight to me, and maybe this is something for you as well, each day in each situation, is there a way that I can be receiving hospitality from people here? And them then having the joy of giving hospitality and, and expressing that. Because hospitality isn't just for the few, is it? It's not just for some of us to express and for some of us to live a hospitable life. It's it's a way of life for all of us. It's something that God asks of all of us, not just for those with a particular gifting or a particular um, size home or culinary skills. So there has to be a way that we can... Um, receive and encourage hospitality in those that look like they have nothing to give. For example, our friends on the streets because they have so much to give. Um, And that's been a really interesting and challenging one of of really seeing seeing what it is that people have and, and, and letting go of that control, us, me and Danny, 
and allowing other people to be hospitable and not allowing that power dynamic of I am the host and you are the one receiving. Um, but to just at the feet of Jesus, aren't we all level? Um, well, it's been a real, a real eye-opener and a real gift of life here. And then the other thing of our experience of hospitality, which has been a very interesting one being, you know, I've grown up my life where I've always kind of been in the majority, in the majority really, white, middle-class, educated. You know, I've never really experienced being on the margins and then we came to Ibiza and we've been praying for this Roma Gypsy group for years. And, uh, and to them, we were the dirty ones. We were the ones on the outside. We were the ones that were unacceptable. We were the ones on the margins of their society. And uh, our, our friends here are, I suppose because it's such a closed community, there's very strong, um, very strong thoughts around who's in and who's out. Maybe a bit like in Jesus' day, the Jewish culture who's in and who's out and we were most definitely out you know we're, we're not Roma Gypsy we didn't wash in the right way we don't hold the same um, sorts of values that they do they're highly superstitious about people coming over their door frame and what people might bring into the home um, lots of tradition around how to prepare food washing etc etc so to them we were the dirty ones and um and we knew this and we'd been praying for years and years and felt like God was saying, you wait to be invited in. Don't go into that area until you receive mine and their invitation. And then two years in, uh, we'd made friends with one of the guys, you know, through seeing him in cafes and the spirit opening up conversations. And, stuff. and he said, before you go back to England, you come up to Sapenya and you shout for me and we'll have a drink together to toast Christmas. I thought, oh, that's the invitation. That's the invitation in. And then, and we went in and we did not expect to be invited in because we knew that to his culture we're dirty. And he and his wife said, come in, come into our home. And they offered us drinks and they showed us their family photos and they were so welcoming to the stranger they were so welcoming to us who were unacceptable they took such a risk on us and um and man was it beautiful and it makes me feel really emotional and funny now to think about it because it was such a huge moment and um and just such a and, and it's led to a a beautiful friendship between the four of us but they they have received flack in their community for that for accepting in the dirty outsider that doesn't fit that isn't acceptable in society it isn't acceptable in their community for crossing over that dirt barrier that's there and for taking a risk on us and for choosing to see us as clean and not dirty and I just thought how beautiful is that isn't that God's way isn't that God's way um, and how humbling to be on the other side, to be the one that's dirty and unacceptable. And yet they accepted us as God does, made us clean, accepted us. 
And, um, and yeah, just beauty ensued and a lot of mess, but also a lot of beauty as we um, as we pursued friendship together. Um, I'm just going to read another question from Sean, <laughs> which is what are some of the things that we, the church, might have to be willing to give up or lay aside to pursue and live out this value? Hospitality. Um, and I think I would turn that back to you. What do you think you need to lay aside and give up to pursue hospitality in your life? Who is it that you don't even realise yet but you've put that dirt barrier up and you've decided that, that that amount of dirt is too much dirt. That person, that way of life, that lifestyle is unacceptable. And actually Jesus is saying, it's not. You weren't unacceptable to me and neither is this person and neither is this profession and neither is that character and neither are those types of people. There is no barrier for Jesus. And he welcomes us in and he transforms us and he makes us clean. And then... Um, what do you think you need to lay aside? For me personally, it's being in control of the situation. It's um, worrying about my reputation. It's worrying about what will people think of me? You know, how will it be now that we had Michael living with us? What will people think when they know what happened and they know that we had him living with us? And the control thing, how can I lose control? I mean, the control thing is an interesting one as well. The other thing that I find is a barrier for me that sometimes I have to put down, which feels very countercultural, is common sense. <laughs> because common sense is so often good, isn't it? But it can also be a real barrier to hospitality. Um, we had a situation a couple of years ago where there was a guy who had been beaten to within an inch of his life. He was in intensive care in in a local hospital here. And we saw on social media that somebody had said, oh, his family are all here by his bedside, but they can't afford to stay in a hotel. Has anybody got a villa that they could that they could let them stay in? You know, when your heart jumps and you know the Holy Spirit's going, go on, go on, go on. <laughs> and you're in denial. And Danny and I looked at each other and was like, we don't know them. But it doesn't matter. In this moment, it doesn't matter. We need to love these strangers. These strangers are our neighbours. And they're God's children. And to take that risk. And so the four of them came and stayed. Our family, all four of us in the bedroom. And I suppose that's where common sense comes in, isn't it? There are things that you can do to, to maintain common sense. Like we had the children sleeping in the bedroom with us. Partly space, but partly safety. And the four of them stayed with us for a couple of weeks. And we got to just share that beautiful and excruciating journey of um, one of the most traumatic times of their life. Um, would their son and brother survive or not? Um, and it was beautiful, but that's a barrier for me is my common sense thinking, surely God's not asking that of me. Surely he isn't. Surely he wouldn't actually ask me to have a stranger in my home, would he? <laughs> Yes, he would. <laughs> you know, but maybe as well, we need to get creative with how we express hospitality, with how we receive hospitality. 
maybe this is something as well you could be praying about is for the spirit to really inspire creativity in you. What does it look like in your community, in your church, in your home, in your family, in your friendship circle to be hospitable? And maybe it's something crazy. Maybe we need to be open to absolute craziness, to not just cooking more meals, to not just handing out more meals, potentially, like we do on the street here. You know, I'm thinking about um, Peter and Cornelius in Acts 10 and how Peter has that vision where God lowers down the food and Peter's like, surely this will... This will make me dirty. This is going to defile me because it's not being sacrificed in the right way and it's the wrong kind of food. And what is it that God says? God says, do not consider anything unclean that God has declared, that God has declared clean. And, uh, and Peter accepts that and then has that dream about Cornelius. And um, and he goes with Cornelius, who is unacceptable as a Gentile. And yet Peter listens to what God says. He's so in sync with the spirit that he recognizes the spirit's voice and the spirit's leading. There's something that he has known all his life, which is that the Gentiles are on the outside. Their food is unclean and will make me dirty. All of that that he's grown up knowing because he knows the voice of the spirit, he knows when the spirit says, no, this is new, I'm doing something new. And these people are clean and this food is clean. And he recognises it and he steps out. And I think that's the challenge for us, isn't it? To recognise the spirit's voice, to recognise his prompting. You need to reach out now, reach out in this way. This person that you deem to be awkward, uncomfortable, unacceptable, they're not. <laughs> um, so yeah, have a look at Acts 10, because I find that really very beautiful and very, very challenging as well. Um, of just how quickly, how quickly Peter goes back on, on what he's learned all his life when, when God says, this is something different. So I think... Um, I've waffled a lot. <laughs> Apologies, I'm never a very structured talker, and even less so when it's um, on the screen and not in person. The thing, the idea is that you now have a little bit of discussion time. So I suppose some of the things that might be good to think about are, first of all, how has God shown you his hospitality this day, this week? How has God been hospitable to you? Because he's the ultimate example, isn't he? He's the lead and he extends his hospitality to us. So what has that looked like for you today, yesterday, this week? And who is it that's in your blind spot? Where is your dirt barrier? Where is it that you've decided enough is enough? Because we all have it. And I like to think I don't have a dirt barrier. that Everybody is acceptable to me. But I know that that can't really be true. So my prayer is that the spirit would highlight my blind spots. And maybe that might be somewhere for you guys to start to pray and to discuss. Are there people, are there behaviours, are there repeated behaviours that, that you have as your 
subconscious cutoff. Who is it? Where is it that God's saying, remove that barrier because it's not my barrier? And thirdly, who is it and where is it that God is asking you to accept hospitality, that he's asking you to humble yourselves and to receive hospitality, to change the dynamic, to change the power dynamic? Where is it that you need to be in the other position of not just the giving but the receiving? Who is it that looks like they have nothing to give? that you could go have time with, that you could sit on the ground with and get dirty and actually receive and receive hospitality and receive a gift from Jesus via somebody that looks like they've got nothing to give. Where is it? Where are those people in your life? How can you grow in that, I suppose? How can I grow in that? Um, and just to say as well that, you know, we... We stayed in Stanford many years ago and we hold you up to be such an example of this and, you know, such kind and outward facing people with such a heart for Jesus. And, um, and I just know that this is something that um, God delights in, in you. But as with all of us, there's more, there's room for more, isn't there? There's more growth to come. Um, so I just love to pray with you before you before you um, you dive into into nattering about all of this. Okay. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for your hospitality to us. Thank you that whilst we were still strangers, you came after us. You pursued us. You opened yourself up to us before we were acceptable to you. Thank you that um, you have made us clean, and I pray that you making us clean would not um, create barriers in us, that by us being clean, we think that we can't go out to those that, um, that don't yet know you, that don't yet, um, haven't yet been welcomed into your beautiful, wild, wacky and messy family. I pray that um, you would reveal to us where it is those barriers are in each of our lives, in our community, that you would reveal to us who it is that your heart aches for, who it is you want us to go out to, who it is that you want us to receive from as well, where it is you want us to humble ourselves and bow before you and receive from you and from others. And would you just stimulate discussion now? Would you, Spirit, be um, nudging people where they need to be nudged? Would you be growing in each of us um, greater discernment to hear your voice, to know when it is when you're saying... Um, when you're saying to go, when you're saying to hold back, when you're saying to open up, just that we would be more and more um, in sync with your spirit, that we would be a people of grace, love, welcome and hospitality, that we would be known for this because it's something that you all know for Jesus. And we want to say that we love you. And I thank you so much for this church, for each person in it. Would you be working in their lives? And, uh, yeah, I pray a blessing on them. Would you, would you bind them tighter together but with such an inclusivity that there's um, that there's always space for more always space for the outsider thank you jesus amen and thank you guys and uh, if you have any thoughts on this please do share them because i found this really stimulating and i would i'd love to know what your thoughts on this are so get in touch i'm on facebook lydian hampson or get in touch via Sean. 
and um, enjoy your discussions. Bye.